1: Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you with us. This is the show where we do our best every single episode to provide you with the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlecker. I am your host today and very excited to bring this episode to you. I believe that every episode we produce is helpful. In fact, we go through a process of asking that question, is this helpful? Will this guest, will this topic really provide the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture? And even if we have fun with it, we talk about aliens sometimes, even when we have fun with it, we want to do it in a way that provides you with the perspectives you need to make good decisions. And when we talk about making good decisions, there's so much information coming at us all of the time. And I will tell you that today's guest cuts through so much of the clutter uh, that we have been just having thrown on top of us. I, I picture a mountain of information thrown on top of us. We're buried underneath it. We don't know what to do. Today's guest cuts through it. And we're going to discuss a topic that we have talked about, not on this show, but as Americans, really around the world, probably more than any of us ever thought we would. The topic today, very broadly, is China. And uh, so much information coming to us about China. When we were under the Trump administration, there was a lot of information, that information has changed what we have access to under our new administration. Our relationship has changed. Our future and the perspectives have changed. We've heard so much about China, and it's very, very difficult to know what's true and what we should, frankly, be worried about and what we should be concerned about. And today's guest cuts through that for us. I'm so grateful and really honored to have on uh, one of the foremost thinkers and speakers on this topic. Joshua Phillip from the Epoch Times is with us. And uh, man, you're gonna love this episode. Uh, I'm giving the introduction after we've already had the, had the conversation. It's been helpful to me. It will be helpful to you. Pay attention. This is one you're going to want to go back and listen to again, and uh, I'll join you when we get through it. So please enjoy this conversation with Joshua Phillip. Right now, there's a situation brewing in the men's basic department. Men are being held hostage by overpriced brands that simply aren't mission tested. That's why we're excited to tell you about Undertack. The only brand that's literally been battle tested by special forces these have to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases high quality material that's antibacterial anti-pilling and moisture wicking so you stay fresh and dry all day Uh, I recently did a 30-mile run in preparation for an ultra marathon in a couple weeks wearing the recon boxers and they were absolutely incredible I loved them They have a quick release fly and a secret pocket in the extra wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. Undertack is durable, ultra light, fade resistant, and shrink resistant. And here's the best part they're almost 30% less than the competition. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. Save 20% off your order with the offer code SITREP20. All one word SITREP20 satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. That is a great American company that's unapologetically pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. That's GetUndertack.com. GetUndertack.com. Offer code SITREP20. Our guest today is Joshua Phillip. He is an award-winning investigative reporter with the Epoch Times, host of Epoch TV's Crossroads program. And uh, I'll say this, for anyone interested in what's happening in China right now and some historical perspective, he is the guy who is uh, really helping us to understand that, certainly myself. He is recognized as an expert on unrestricted warfare, asymmetrical hybrid warfare, warfare, subversion, and historical perspectives on today's issues uh, with a 10 year, uh, his 10 year plus, <laughs> his 10 plus years, I can read, I really can. It just doesn't come off that way sometimes. His 10 plus years of research and investigations on the Chinese Communist Party, subversion, and related topics give him unique insight into the global threat and political landscape. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Hey, my, my pleasure. Anytime. You are uh, you're doing so much in the world of uh, just information and understanding about China, and I want to get to that here in just a second. But your your bio is incredible as well, and I just read this you know second paragraph on your bio: uh, an expert on unrestricted warfare, asymmetrical, hybrid warfare, subversion, and historical perspectives on today's issues. Uh, can you can you give us your background? How how did you become a recognized expert in these areas, first of all. And what got you into this? I mean, this is a strange path, I think, for most people to follow. So th-
2: these actually tie together. And the short answer is completely accidentally. Um, <laughs> long, long story short, I was, um, I, well, I've been with Epic Times since 2006. So I've been been here for quite a while. Uh 2008, though, you know, I was kind of part-time. I was living in San Diego. I got offered a summer internship in New York, which is our main office here. Hmm. Decided to take it. I was still a student. And I accidentally uncovered, uh, well, the largest uh, spy operation of the Chinese Communist Party in the wow. U.S., uh, which is the United Front Department, which works hand-in-hand with the Chinese mafia uh, through what they call the Tongs, uh, fraternal organizations that basically run the Chinatowns. And so yeah. that was my introduction to investigative journalism. And after researching that, investigating that, in fact, a couple a couple people went to prison, I would like to think partly because of my work, um, I, I
1: became one of the few experts in that field. How, uh, how did you, when you say you accidentally discovered that, what, what was the process for that, what, an accidental discovery like that? Yeah, so, right, so let me explain the history. This was 2008, it was right ahead of the mm. Beijing
2: Olympics. The Chinese yep. Communist Party at that time was really cracking down on any kind of dissent. Uh, they were going after house Christians. Remember, they were dressing up their police in China yep. like Tibetan Buddhists, having yep. them go out and beat people. Uh, there were stories about how these weird phenomena were taking place in different parts of the U.S., where it looked like the Chinese consulate was organizing like student protests and things like this. And then in a lot of parts of the world, Paris, Hong Kong, Taiwan... Uh, part other parts of Europe, Canada, San Francisco, and New York, where I was doing my summer internship, there were strange incidents where hundreds of people, like hundreds of Chinese people, were gathering on the street and just beating, threatening to kill, spitting on, cursing, harassing uh, other members of the Chinese community. Mm-hmm. And their main targets were house Christians, democracy activists, yeah. and Falun Gong practitioners. And so I went to go cover that. And, I mean, I'm there, and it's like, I mean it was it was chaos it was complete chaos right. you had large groups of people beating up like you know elderly chinese people on the street the right. police weren't right. doing anything and uh, i started asking around what's happening and a lot of people were telling me oh yeah those those people launching the attacks those are all spies and you know, I'm Whoa. like, I'm thinking Whoa. like James Bond, you know, tuxedo right, and right. Martini, Martini type spies. Right. These were like, <laughs> right. you know, sweaty guys and like, you know, wife beaters and <laughs> stuff like that. And I'm like, no, I'm like, that's, that's, that's not a spy. Come on, right. I've, I've, seen, I've seen enough spy movies and that's not a spy. And they're like, no, no, that, those are spies. And I was like, all right, let me look into it. Uh, sure enough, over time, I found out that those organ- the people who were launching the attacks, they were with organizations called Tongs. And tongs are like the unofficial governing bodies of Chinese communities. They go back in ancient Chinese history. Not all of them are bad, but beneath the, they're like kind of like fraternal organizations, like oil worker tong, student tong. You'll have hometown associations, like the uh, the Peking Association, like Beijing, uh, Shandong Association, so on. Right. Turns out underneath the tongs, you also have the triads, which are the Chinese mafia. And I found out that one of the main organizations involved in these attacks was the Fujian American Association. The Fukian American Association runs the uh, Fukqing Gang, uh, mm-hmm. one of the largest transnational organized crime groups in the world. These are human traffickers, drug traffickers. Uh, in fact, one of the largest human trafficking organ- organizations in the world. And then I found the Chinese consulate general at the time, Peng Kai Yu, was actually going and meeting with these people. Okay. And then a couple of local officials were also involved, one of them being John Liu, uh, who was at the time just a um, you know, local ca- a city council member later became new york city controller and later ran for new york but was investigated by the fbi and lo and behold you had the head of the fukian american association and another associate the daughter of the head of the peking association i believe named jenny ho uh, both were found to have been getting straw donors for him and both went wow. to prison for it and uh, that's pretty much how i got involved in this whole beat <laughs> long story short
1: what a crazy story! There's so much that happens that you know most of us would never know about, but important stories. I think of uh, Epoch Times, and it's such an important news organization right now. Uh, a few years ago, maybe three years ago, we met uh, an Epoch re- um, reporter named Nam Su. I don't know if you know Nam Soo, but oh yeah, I know Nam. Uh, great, yeah. Yeah, he's he's incredible. He actually came out to. We run a veterans organization. He came out to our headquarters and spent some time with us and it's been fantastic been a great relationship he, um through him i've written some editorials for epoch and uh it it's one of the only um i don't know the word i was going to say fidelity news organizations in the world right now that's speaking truth and clarity can you talk about epoch a little bit i don't i don't think everyone who would, is listening you know know it comes from china so not everyone will be aware but the information that you're putting out is Second to none in the world.
2: I appreciate it. Well, I mean, I've been with Epic Times from—I mean, pretty close to the beginning, at least of the English edition. I think two thousand four is when that started. I've been there. I've been here since two thousand six, and so I've seen Epic Times grow from like—I mean, maybe an office a bit, maybe twice as big as your studio. Right, right, (laughs) right. I mean, and our whole—that was our whole office. And so I've been there since since it was. really pretty new
1: yeah um
2: epic times though it was actually started by chinese americans and it was you know people who had escaped communism in fact our founder john tong he was one of the witnesses he was a democracy activist one of the witnesses to the tiananmen square massacre left china pretty much never wanted to look back Mm. you know long story short of that yeah Uh, but what happened was 1999 the chinese communist party launched a persecution against jeez between 70 million and 100 million people and that was the persecution against Falun Gong practitioners. And Falun Gong was kind of like a, almost like a religious revival in China, mm. although the concept of religion is different in China. It's not right, like you sure. became a monk and shaved your head. It was like, more like Tai Chi or like a, like a yoga type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Just yeah.
2: people doing like meditation in parks. Yeah. And then with a moral tenet of being uh, truthful, compassionate, and forbearant. And the CCP regarded this as a threat to the atheistic rule of the Communist Party. They tried to prove it was a cult. They tried to do all kinds of things. They found it wasn't. They said, actually, it's beneficial to society. <laughs> head of the Chinese Communist Party at the time said persecuted anyway. Yeah. And they launched a genocide, which is what it is, against 70 million to 100 million people. Forced organ harvesting, I mean, killing them while they're still alive, oftentimes without painkillers. Uh, re-education through labor, torture. And this is a persecution that affected roughly one out of every 15-ish Chinese people. Not to mention everyone who has family members. This was wow. this was the biggest, it probably still is the biggest persecution in the world. Wow. What happened was is that the media around the world, for the most part, repeated the the disinformation, which is what it was, real disinformation, of the Chinese Communist Party. So rather than to say, hey, a genocide is taking place in China, they were actually supporting the Chinese Communist Party's genocide, and Chinese people in the U. S. were horrified by this. For them, this was like a repeat of the different social movements he saw under Mao yep. Tong. this is this is a yep. repeat of like, the Tiananmen Square massacre on steroids.
0: Right. And so right. they
2: saw what the media here were doing. They said they this is sick, we need to create a media that can tell the truth. And the media they created was epic times.
1: Yeah, it's been incredible voice. Um uh, there's video I don't know if it was a year ago or so of the offices, I think in Beijing being vandalized and, you know, lighted on fire, but but the message continues. No, that, was
2: um, we're, we're, that was in Hong Kong. Pr- we're we're okay. we're proudly yeah. we're proudly blacklisted in mainland
0: China.
1: <laughs> <laughs> proudly blacklisted, yeah. Hong Kong. Are you blacklisted in Hong Kong? So much has changed uh, there. They, they, it's it's risky. We're still
2: operating. We actually offered yeah. our staff there a way out. Not one of them accepted it. Everyone wanted yeah. to
1: stay. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate the work that you and so many there are doing. Um, this is such a huge issue. Our attention has been diverted just in the last month or so to Eastern Europe, but China has been a huge topic of conversation, I think one that's very confusing. So maybe we can just start there. Can you provide an overview of China, where China is currently, um, you know, kind of geopolitically, what it's doing and what we should be concerned about?
2: So the Chinese Communist Party has a very clearly stated goal. They've talked about in things like China 2025, which when it was publicly announced when Trump was still president, caused such a stir that they actually tried like kind of hiding it afterwards. <laughs> it really, it's a funny story if you look into it. But um, they pretty much stated publicly that their goal is to become the world hegemon, the world leader. You know, I mean, to put it like in a Dr. Evil type term, they want to take over the world. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, they they regard the United States as the current world leader. They talk about the Pax Americana, the peace under America. They want the Pax Sinica, the peace under China. And they also have a system of government that they want to export uh, that will replace the U.S.-led international order. And, look, I know a lot of people are like, oh, America this, America that. Look, what America has done for the world, I'd, I'd say the world has become so comfortable within it that we don't even realize what it represents anymore. <laughs> America represents a new idea of uh, uh, the relationship between people and government. Right. Uh, that government really serves the people, and that also that people have human rights, basic rights that government is instituted to protect. Uh, these are God-given rights, according to the Founding Fathers, not things given to you by government. Correct. Right. The Chinese Communist Party system is total opposite to that. It is the government does anything it wants, and anybody who criticizes the government is not politically correct and should be purged. It's the idea that <clears throat> in terms of the international order, Countries can do whatever they want to their citizens. Excuse me. In terms of the international order, countries can do whatever they want to their citizens and they will not be sanctioned. What will get you sanctioned is if you criticize another country Mm -hmm. for abusing its citizenship. If the U.S., uh, for example, (laughs) criticizes the Chinese Communist Party of, say, having uh, Muslim Uyghurs for slaves, they get sanctioned. The, The officials in the U.S. who say that get sanctioned. That's how the CCP system works. And that is the future of the world if the, if the uh, you know, U.S.-led system is overturned. They also have these new, new systems of high-tech totalitarianism, social monitoring systems, like the social credit system where every right. single action, every single relationship you have, every purchase you make, everything in your life is tracked, and you are given a citizen score based on that. And your citizen score determines your freedom or your oppression in that society. That is the China model. That is the future of the world If the Chinese Communist Party succeeds and they stated this publicly and to put a long story short, that is that is what the CCP's intentions are. Now, where are they at currently? Uh, The CCP is moving fast towards trying to accomplish this in their own words. They regard the uh, covid-19, a.k.a. the CCP virus. Right. uh, They regard this as a World War Three scenario in their own words. And the way they describe it is this: They say that World War One and World War Two recreated the international system of government, that the world governments were remade uh, post World War One and then post World War Two. And it's true. Uh, post World War One, sure. we saw the end of the age of kings. Post World War Two, we saw the rise of the Pax Americana, the peace under right. America. Right. And World War Three, as they see it, is this coronavirus situation, where someone. And I think there's a lot of buying powers for it, but somebody is going to get to choose what the future government of the world is like. And the CCP is regarding this as a wartime scenario, and they are actively engaged in it as such. Uh, That is, I think, the real state of the world right now that nobody's really talking about.
1: We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they will get pills for depression before they know they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart
0: over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, (laughs) I've been a different person ever since.
1: Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed a social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. Yeah, i glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America, and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at mightyoaksprograms.org. When I think about China, and again, this is where I'm not always clear on what is real and what is rhetoric. When we look at China, it's easy to say they're over there. So everything that you described is horrible. The international community should do something about it. We're not. (laughs) But that's happening there. And if they want to do that there, that's fine. Uh, what does that look like from a more practical sense if China gains the power that they're seeking, what does that mean in real terms for the rest of the world for us as Americans what does that mean? Uh, so that's part one part two is can they pull this off when we look at trade and you know our economic entanglements and all these things, does China even have the ability to do at least globally what they 're trying to do, so uh, what does that look like for the rest of us if China gets that kind of power and then b can they can they even accomplish that
2: so i I think the answer to both of those is tied together. I would say they're already here um, you know let 's talk basically about what the goals of communism are i mean the most the most boiled down, plainly stated goal that you know the classic Marxists might believe in seize the means of production hm. You tell me who controls the means of production. Who controls yeah. the world's factories? Right. Who controls the world's yeah. food supplies? Who controls, right. for example, uh, different key industries throughout Latin America, Africa, Australia? Who controls the ore industry? Who controls the rare earth minerals? Who's the manufacturing plant, right, the production of the world? It's the Chinese Communist yeah. Party. Sure. If they don't own it, they're trying to take it over. And they use what they call state run uh, enterprises, uh, SREs. Uh, which are basically companies that don't have to draw profit to compete with different companies around the world They because they can bid below profit because they're state-run enterprises. Uh, they can put their comp- their competitors out of business. Once their competitors out of are out of business, they dominate the market and they make it so nobody can access it ever again. Uh, I'll give you one example of this. In Australia, you had several different competing rail industries. The Chinese Communist Party put its uh, state-run enterprises in there. They underbid everybody below cost. There's no possible way any normal company in a free in a free society could possibly compete with them, because they were bidding below cost. You would mm. go out you would go out of business if you you know, tried to compete with them on pricing. Yeah. They put everybody out of, everybody out of business. Two companies folded entirely. The CCP acquired the third. Now they have a monopoly over the industry. Uh, they go into countries like New Zealand, for example, uh, and they take over the uh, the, G- the GDP products. You know the um, you know the dairy industry, milk industry, and so on. Same thing with Australia with the ore industry. Uh, they're doing the same thing with the Belt and Road Initiative, where they're getting countries into debt traps all throughout Africa, all throughout Latin America, all throughout Asia, even into Europe now. And they're trying to get into the U.S. When they do that, they make several different things. They do infrastructure projects. Through which they install the systems and technologies to support this form of government. I described this, um, you know, high-tech totalitarianism. Mm. They install the the foundations, the technology foundations, uh, for things like the social credit system. In fact, in Darwin, Australia, they've already activated it. They are using the CCP's social credit system uh, throughout a lot, of, a lot of Latin America. They're already using it throughout a lot of Africa. They're already using it. Uh, they also have alternatives to the state banks. The CCP right now has its own digital currency, the digital yuan, where every single transaction is monitored. Every single transaction can be approved or canceled by the government. And so imagine you go to you know buy your local bread, and they say, oh sorry comrade, your uh, social credit score mm-hmm. is too low to buy bread. Uh, looks like you have to beg for food until your social credit score goes back up. Yeah. You know, That that oh your your social credit score is too low to pay rent this month comrade. Uh, you know, it looks like it's to the uh, the digital gulag to you. Have fun living on the street. This is where it's heading. And the CCP right now, as we speak, just on that note, is already talking to all the centralized banks, including right here in the United States, including with the uh, Federal Reserve to create what they call uh, state-run, sorry, uh, centralized banking digital currencies, CBDEs, uh, CBDCs. I'm sorry, they're already doing this. The system I talked about at the beginning of the show, the United Front Work Department, this is yeah. one of the CCP's largest spy operations. This is tens of thousands of individuals who are active in the United States. I mean, some of these Tong organizations I talked about, that many of which work as part of this, they have hundreds of thousands of members, hundreds of thousands. Even in Canada, hundreds of thousands. Think about yeah. that. That's and incredible. what are they engaged in? They're getting into every single system of influence, every business, Every every government official is getting invites to China. Many of them take it, right down to your your local city council member, right up to the president of the United States. They're going to their family members. They're targeting professors. They're targeting business leaders. They're doing all of these things. If you're a business and you do business in China, you have to abide by Chinese law. That means handing over your data. That means, for example, abiding by their human rights policies. Mm. In other words, human rights abuses. Companies like Nike. Uh, companies yeah. like uh, the yeah. NBA, where if you yeah. criticize slavery, actual right. slavery, right. Pick, literally <laughs> slaves literally picking cotton, right? Most of the cotton industry is picked by slaves in China, under the, the Muslim Uyghurs yeah. mainly. Literally slave cotton. Yeah. Companies preach preaching to us about Black Lives Matter and stuff can't criticize slaves yeah. picking cotton in China.
1: Yeah. LeBron and, James wants to be upset about everything but that. Everything but yeah, that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I would say, I mean, it's already on us. It's already here. You, you try to tell me about uh, how many politicians are not in the pockets of the CCP, knowingly or unknowingly. And I, 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 I could have a hard time telling you, uh, yeah. you know, which ones are not at this point. I'd say, of course, a decent number, but a whole lot of them are, either directly or indirectly. A whole lot of businesses will not criticize the CCP because they are under the influence of the ccp yep. hollywood is almost entirely controlled by it at this point uh, because if they want to get their films in china they can't criticize it uh, in fact even some of the major film studios are already owned by chinese companies a lot of films are already co-produced by the ccp and the ccp of the chinese communist party has systems to manage all of this uh, one of the main forms of warfare run right under the military is what you call the uh, three warfares doctrine mm-hmm. this is psychological warfare Altering, altering the narrative through which you interpret information, uh, media warfare, controlling outlets of information, mm. and what they call legal warfare, uh, using the courts and legal systems of different countries to subvert the countries. Hollywood is part of this. Most of the mainstream media is part of this. Their control of you know, websites like Reddit, which they yeah. partly own, or TikTok, yep. which they own, are part of this. Anything they can influence is part of this. And so they're already here. They're already doing it. Uh, the issue is how far they can advance it before it is rolled back. I'd say actually, so, and, you know, Trump really, I think, did a good job rolling it back quite a bit. But, you know, unless we continue that trend, the, the future is already at the doorstep, I'd say.
1: Yeah. So when you, you know, saying that, when you look down the road, you know, 10 years, 20 years, what will the relationship, Let's let's say barring someone like a Donald Trump having the ability to actually change course, and even if he runs, which it looks like he will, and he's reelected, which is a possibility, he has four years to make changes, which we've seen can change back very quickly. Um, barring a heart change from leading politicians, what is the future of the United States um, as it relates to to China? What does that what does that look like? A- and what can we do about it? I mean, normal people. That's why we do shows like this.
2: I'd, I'd say a couple things. Well. On a brighter side of this, I would say the Chinese Communist Party is actually very unstable right now. Uh, economically, yeah. they're, not do- they're not doing so hot. Politically, there's a lot of infighting, serious infighting. And domestically, there's a lot of instability. Uh, really, they're very weak right now. The strength of the CCP is coming from outside influence. Really, I, if you watch my show, I've talked about it for a while. Uh, that you know, It looked like the CCP was about to collapse at the beginning of the whole uh, virus outbreak. It was actually Wall Street black uh, BlackRock Investment investment right. big investment firm right. that bailed out the ccp essentially mm. they started pouring money into china and you know the ccp is trying to basically maintain itself by creating these digital currencies which they're trying to popularize uh different organizations at like the world health organization using the coronavirus pandemic um, they're trying to use this as well to create these new systems. Remember the the WHO could not demonstrate its independence from China, which is why Trump originally pulled us out of it, and then Biden, of course, put us back into it. But one of the things they're working on right now, for example, is a new agreement that would let the World Health Organization, which again could not demonstrate its independence from the Chinese Communist Party, uh, to be able to even sanction countries that don't abide by the virus policies. And part of these new virus policies are vaccine passports, other technologies that they can use to create these new digital digital citizenship things, uh, which mm. would include CBDCs, centralized digital bank currencies, and so on. They're already working on creating the policies and the systems and technologies that would allow them to create this type of government right here in the United States. But w- it wouldn't look like China, you know, being in the government. It would look like the World Health Organization and different big corporations that have huge ties to China uh, running the show essentially. Yeah. And so I'd say they're they're working very hard towards that already. Uh, in terms of the hope with all this, I'd say, again, the CCP is actually very unstable. They're very weak right now. I, I think a small, pu- a strong enough push by a big power uh, could really do a lot of damage to them. At the same time, too, you, you have an interesting situation where I mentioned the CCP regards the virus as like a World War III scenario. and They kind right. of, you know, they believe they can use it to create a new form of government. Right.
0: right.
1: I think
2: you actually have a lot of different powers in the world right now who kind of want the same thing, and they're, they're sure. kind of fighting with each other. Right. So, right. uh, you know, for all of us on on the ground, that that's actually a good thing because it means that as they vie for control over the, the future of the world, essentially, um, all of them are weakened by it. And, you know, all it takes is one good leader to step up and, and win, frankly. So we'll yeah. see.
1: When we think about China, one of the questions that I have had, and it's funny, we, uh, you know, Michael, our producer, and I were talking about this the other day. And I said, if I could talk to Joshua Phillip, this is what I'd ask him. And he's like, well, you can ask him because he's scheduled, <laughs> scheduled for this week. Uh, he, here's here's a big question that I've had, and I, I thought it would have already happened, is China uh, seizing Taiwan. And, you know, my um, belief that it would have already happened was related to Russia and Ukraine as the world is looking there. It seems like a perfect time for China to do what they've been talking about doing for generations. Uh, why haven't they? Will they? And... Maybe what does that relationship look like between them and Russia? And I'm sure it's connected somehow.
2: So the Chinese Communist Party's pseudo-alternative world government is paired very closely with Russia. And so the Rus- Russia and the Chinese Communist Party work very close together. Yeah. Part of this is because they have kind of a separate economy globally for countries that have been sanctioned by the United States. Uh, Russia, Iran, North Korea, a lot of Latin American countries, you know, they're all part of the system, essentially, and there's a lot of mm. countries that play both sides of it. Russia's a key part within that, but I'd say Russia also doesn't like necessarily being in that position. Right. Um, I think, frankly, that Trump, Trump had a good opportunity, and I think he really wanted to uh, break Russia from the CCP's kind of world order, essentially. Uh, but of course, the Trump Russia scandal, and, which was fake, yeah. of course, uh, right. financed by the DNC and the Clinton campaign, spreading right. literally spreading Russian disinformation because right. you had you had two Russian individuals involved with the creation of that false information, uh, meant to undermine the entire Trump presidency. And so I, I would say, were it not for that, there would have been a chance that Russia could have broken more easily from that system. But without China and the support of China, Russia is pretty much cut off from the from the world because of U.S. sanctions, and so they're they're left with few options they're they're aligning with china uh because that's the only place they can go essentially sure when it comes to taiwan and the ccp um i they definitely want to take taiwan they've talked openly about their intentions to do right. it i think they had a window of opportunity but I, I don't think they took it because of the kind of pushback during the olympics and I, it would i would have, it would have been too much bad publicity all at once i would assume for the hmm. ccp <laughs> um <laughs> right. And then Russia's invasion of Ukraine kind of gave a window where they could take it. But frankly, I think Russia's really military disaster so far and, and really not doing nearly as well as the anticipated is, I think, a big shock for the Chinese Communist Party because it showed something interesting. The Chinese Communist Party's military and the, the People's Liberation Army. Keep in mind, the PLA. This is—it's not like the American military, meant to protect the Constitution. It's a party military. Mm. It is the armed wing of the Chinese Communist Party. Mm. Its, it's right. purpose is to defend the Chinese Communist Party. It's not for the country. It's not for the Chinese people. Not for the Chinese Constitution. It is the armed wing of the CCP. Yep. Um, it is less trained, less well equipped, and less has less fighting ability than the Russian military. Um, wow. I, I've wow. actually gotten myself, <laughs> wow. I've gotten a lot of people mad at me before by pointing out that the Russian military was kind of a paper tiger, because, and you know, people get mad, like, what are you talking about paper tiger, look at these cool propaganda videos they have, yeah, of, right. you know, they're, they're, <laughs> uh, they're, they're uh, you know, special forces, Spets right. guys looking all tough, you <laughs> right. know, look, they have Soviet era technology, a lot yeah. of it, that takes a lot of money to maintain, literally, it's falling apart, they, they field their tanks and the wheels start breaking. Um, you know, very poorly maintained. Very, you know, they they make some good stuff, but they sell most of it. <laughs> you mm. know, it's it's mostly for arms exports. Um, the, you know, the the for the military itself, they're not like the American military. We're joining the military is a real respectable job. It's like this is this is like the poorest people of the country,
1: conscripts like sure. yeah. and stuff. Yeah.
2: Um, and you know they have Soviet era type training still. Remember when the U.S. went into Afghanistan, we had to like. You know, deprogram this mentality from the tal- yeah. from the you know former Mujahideen fighters um, who had been trained by the Soviets or under the Soviets, yep. which is basically it's a purely top-down type of strategy. If, if you're marching, you're told to march, and you hit a wall, you you sit and wait until you're told to march around it. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's not like the American military guys can think on the fly and make their own decisions. No, it's it's a strictly top-down, which is why you have the Russian guys. You know, they run into a problem on the road and they just stall on the road and you have a 40 mile long caravan just sitting out in the open. Sure. Um, You know, the CCP's military is exactly the same,
1: Mm, but worse, but worse. Interesting, yeah.
2: And so I think when they saw what happened to the Russian military, that was a a real shot over the bow for them. Uh, Really, Taiwan can give them a pretty serious run for the money.
1: Do we support Taiwan if China makes a move uh, under the current administration?
2: The support of the U.S. for Taiwan would very likely look a whole lot like the support of the U.S. Uh, for Ukraine. Mm. It's, it's really doubtful that we get directly involved, although, frankly, I wish the U.S. would if it came to Taiwan. Uh, because, frankly, if they take Taiwan, you know, this this is the beginning of the end, essentially, in terms of uh, the U.S. being able to access the whole Asia-Pacific region. Uh, once, they can, right. once they can get control of that whole area, I mean, their, their ability to project power to that region is is uh, pretty strong. And at the same time, too, once they do invade Taiwan, they're going to form, blo- form a blockade around the island. It's going to be hard for anyone to get in or out. If we don't supply them now, which the U.S. should, it's going to be very difficult to do it afterwards.
1: This is a um, a very scary time for people, particularly with what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. I was uh, spending time with my, my uh, sister and her daughter the other day, and her daughter's 11. And she has so many questions about Russia and are they coming here and questions like that. And an 11-year-old will ask questions like that. I think a lot of uh, grown people are having some of the same thoughts and wondering, what do we do? And they hear your commentary and wonder, what do we do? When people hear things like this, information is very, very helpful. What's the action step? What are you encouraging people who care about the CCP and care about you know, the economic entanglements and what the future may look like? What are you telling them to do? How do they respond or how should they respond?
2: So let's be clear, the wars we're watching are not full wars. Russia's, right. not, Russia's not using nuclear weapons, not using chemical weapons. I mean, yet, maybe they will. Um, it's not, it's not all-out war. And really, the fighting ability of the Russian troops and the Chinese troops, they're total paper tigers. They, they, if, if a major power were to hit them, they'd fold very quickly. Mm. Uh, barring, barring nuclear war, sure. chemical war, or something like that. Um, the real way wars are being fought right now is through information. It's this is this is the new way that wars are fought and wars are going to be won or lost through information. Yeah. And when you're talking about the Chinese Communist Party, the weakest part they have is really internal instability. There's, there's a reason they censor the Internet. There's a reason they try to prevent people from criticizing the CCP mm. is they couldn't withstand it. I know a lot yeah. of people have said if if the great firewall, you know, the the censorship system in China were to break tomorrow, the CCP would collapse in two days. Mm. I mean, they would not be able to withstand people in their country being able to access free information. Right.
1: <laughs> and right. so the
2: way these things are won is just by showing people what is actually happening, by holding them accountable. If big businesses like Nike and the NBA and you know, BlackRock Investment had enough pushback when they pour money into China and the Chinese yep. Communist Party, uh, the CCP couldn't survive without that. And so the real solution here, I'd say, is you need to beat them at their own game when it comes to information. Yeah. Information is where things are won or lost uh, in, in the modern world, I'd say.
1: That's good. Um, your, your show, uh, you're involved in a lot of you know, different things, but your show is very important. Where can people follow you, um, get a hold of the content that you're producing, and kind of follow along as you're giving us commentary on what's happening?
2: Uh, they can go to EPICTV, TV, com forward slash crossroads, and actually we have a free 14-day trial as well if nice. anyone's interested. yeah.
1: Awesome. Joshua Phillip, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. You're doing great work, and uh, it's much appreciated. I appreciate it as well. Thank you. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you, And me, Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. As I mentioned before we began that interview, a very, very important interview. And you you may ask, what makes this an important interview? It's important because it's not just information that you can absorb and then move on with the rest of your life. What we just discussed with Joshua Phillip impacts every area of our lives. I asked the question, uh, how does China do what they want to do? How do we end up in these economic entanglements? His answer was, we're already there. And then he gave several examples of what this looks like. When we go to the grocery store, when we buy fuel, when we build houses that require uh, materials from all over the world, when we buy clothes, all of these things, China controls in many ways the means of production. And so it's already happening. The question I ended with was, well, what do we do about it? I like to get information, but once the information is received, I want to know what to do about it. He gave us a very clear answer. This is an information war. This is not traditional war in the sense of armies uh, pitting their skill against one another. In fact, you know, he made the very strong case that both Russia and China, uh, in many ways, their military is ineffective It may be large, but certainly could not withstand militaries of the world that would seek to maintain freedom. But what China can do is control information, and this is happening. So how do we push back against that? We make sure the right information, the truth, gets to those who need to hear it. We can do our best to make our voices heard to companies like Nike and BlackRock and the NBA and some of these other companies that are huge and are making it possible for China to continue to function, we can do that, and certainly we should, but probably the best thing we can do is to make sure that conversations like this are heard by as many people as possible. So I'm gonna give you an action step, and uh, this is really, really simple. Share this episode with as many people as you possibly can. Very important conversation. Share it out. Um, It's easy. This is a podcast, which makes it really easy to share. Hopefully, you're already subscribed to the podcast. If you're not, you need to subscribe on whatever podcast platform it is you're listening from. You can watch the video on Salem Now. Share it out. Encourage as many people as possible to listen, to watch, and to share it to the folks in their network. And that would be fantastic. Again, please Please, please make sure you are subscribed to the Situation Report. You're sharing this content out. Go and check out SalemPodcastNetwork.com for other wonderful podcasts or go to SalemNow.com. You can watch the video of this episode and every episode that we've done up to this point. Over 100 episodes. So we have so much content and I would love to share that with you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I will encourage you one more time, share this out. Look forward to talking to you next time.